Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Weinstein, also known as the Pitch Queen. She's a sales strategist and the host of the Success Unfiltered podcast. She's got over 20 years experience selling. She teaches entrepreneurs how to sell without being sleazy, how to close any deal, how to revolutionize their understanding of their value and worth, how to turn rejection and no's into yeses, and how to serve more people and make a bigger difference in the world. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, before we jump into more about your business and what you do, I would love it if you would tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe some of the things you like to do when you're not at work. (laughs) I'm never at work. See, that's the greatest (laughs) thing is that I'm always doing now what I love to do. Nice. Uh, so, well, some of the things I love to do, I love to work out. And I think for all of us that are coaches or in sales and you're always selling, keeping that physical activity high is really good. Um, you know, it helps with your confidence and all that. So I love going to yoga. I've been taking on this thing called the aerial silks. It's mm-hmm. extremely challenging. Uh, so I've been doing that at least once or twice a week. And then I work out at the gym probably three days a week, and I try to get in some cardio three to four days a week. So physical exercise and fitness is definitely a part of my life. And if it's if I'm not doing that, I am usually, I love to get on airplanes and go places. Mm-hmm. So my family's in Seattle. I My best friend is in Maui. So I definitely head over there quite often. <laughs> yeah, I, so would I. <laughs> that sounds great. And you're in California, right? Yes, I am uh, based in California. Now, everybody loves to be inspired by people's journey. So we're going to start out this conversation with a little bit more about your business journey. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started getting into like the sales strategist, the coaching? Mm-hmm. How did you what was your evolution that, that led you to that? Yeah, so I'll take you back. Probably let's go back to college. And that was 20 years ago. So in college, I always had a job and I was a cocktail waitress or I was one of the promotion people for different alcohol companies. And that's really where I think I got a lot of my, what I know now, sales Mm -hmm. experience, even though I didn't know it was sales experience at the time. And when you are selling tequila shots and trying to get good tips, You're always, you know, providing a good service and building relationships and building rapport. And now I see it all. And, you know, I was always that one that was fully clothed. I never, you know, had all my parts hanging out. But I saw a lot of other people. That's how they made their money. And I was like, there's need. there needs to be a better way to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I learned that by building the relationship and building the rapport and, you know, asking for more if they wanted more tequila shots or whatever they were drinking, (laughs) it actually worked in my favor. And I made a ton of money in college. And then out of college, I got a degree in finance and I got a job at a company called Moss Adams as a financial analyst. And I was their first person they hired without a graduate degree. Hmm. And I couldn't stand it. 
I would sit in a cubicle and I would analyze companies and look at spreadsheets and I was going crazy. But your parents always tell you, well, you've got good benefits and a good 401k plan and it's a great job right out of college. So I just, you know, I was just listening to my parents at the time. I was like, you know what? This is not for me. So at the time I started uh, personal training on the side at 24 Fitness. I became a fitness instructor because fitness was always my passion. I started teaching my own boot camp at the park outside. So I started my own company called Abs for Life. It was called ABS, <laughs> the number four life. Mm-hmm. I don't have that URL anymore, but <laughs> I was able to fill up a boot camp all by myself. And then in downtown Seattle, there was my favorite store called Nordstrom. I said, well, what the heck? I might as well just go and sell clothes there during the sales and make some extra cash. And when I got there and I was there only for a few shifts just during the holidays or during their anniversary sale, I was top salesperson. And Hmm. every single person in in the department hated me. They were like, who is this girl? (laughs) And that was another lesson I learned is that I didn't really care what anyone thought of me. I was there to work. I was there to make a lot of money because I was there to spend all my money at Nordstrom. So whatever I made, I ended up shopping with. And that was my rule. That was my goal for myself. I'm like, if you make $1,000, you can spend $1,000. Whatever you want, you can spend right here in in this store. But Nordstrom Mm -hmm. taught a lot on customer service. Uh And at the time, I just learned so much about how to treat customers, how to go up to customers in a store so you don't get the, I'm just looking, I'm not interested. Right. Right. So I learned how to navigate through all the people. So I never got those responses and it took a lot of trial and error. But once I got something that worked, I had no problem. I mean, I was, you had to, you know, help the customer with their clothes. I loved picking out outfits for people and then you had to ring them up and it was all commission based. Mm -hmm. So uh, that that's how my sales journey began. And then from there, I could not sit in a cubicle anymore. I ca- <laughs> I got what you call cubicle butt. I gained like 10 pounds. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is not good. I need to get out of here. And at the time, the mortgage industry was booming. And I said, you know, I'm really good with numbers and I'm really great with people. What could I do that incorporated numbers and people? And Everybody in Seattle was not hiring. They're like, we're full. We don't need any more people. I'm like, but I'm really, really good. And no one would hire me. I kept getting told no. And I moved back to Phoenix where I grew up. I couldn't Mm -hmm. stand Seattle anymore either. I don't know if you've been to Seattle, but most of the year, like 99% of the year, you wake up and it's it's dark and raining and then you leave your office and it's dark and raining and I don't (laughs) live well in the dark. I need sunshine. Absolutely. So I moved back to Phoenix and a company called Aegis Lending hired me. Within one day, I posted my resume. I went to the interview. Uh, Ray Sanderson, he was my boss. He hired me on the spot. He's like, you're going to be great. I said, okay, no problem. Within three months, I was top 3% in the company. There was about 800 loan officers throughout the country. Went to Vegas, did all the fun parties. And I was like, oh my gosh, why did I waste three years sitting in this cubicle at this corporate job as a financial analyst? Because my parents thought that that's exactly what I needed. I could care less about a 401k plan. 
I can make my own 401k plan. I don't need some company to give me one. Right. You know, and I went from making 40,000 a year at my salary. I think that was what I got paid around 40. Maybe it was under, maybe it was 35,000, <laughs> whatever. It's all the same, same peanuts to me. And my first commission checks were eight, ten, twenty thousand dollars at this mortgage company. And I got to talk to people and work with numbers. And it was wonderful because I got because working at Nordstrom, I actually learned how to have these I was in a women's department. So the women wouldn't say tell me, No, I'm just looking and no, I'm not interested. I never got those responses. Well, when it went to being on the phone, I also had a bunch of people, you know, that hang up on you. Mm, mm-hmm. And at the time, the mortgage industry, the competition was crazy. I mean, there was a mortgage company on every corner and people dialing people's numbers all day long. It's like, how am I going to get this person, A, to answer the phone, B, when I get them on the phone, to talk to me? Right. So I practiced everything that I took from Nordstrom and said, okay, how am I going to make this work on the phone? And, you know, paid off. They offered me a manager position out in San Diego, which is uh, where I live now. That's how I ended up here about 11 years ago. And, uh, you know, with my financial analyst background, I realized that this company was going to go bankrupt very soon. I saw all the numbers for the branch. I saw all of my sales goals that were never going to happen unless you started doing like fraud stuff. And that's not my cup of tea. So on the side, I started to get my real estate license because in California, in order to do mortgages on your own, you have to have your real estate license. So I got my real estate license. I went to go quit at this job at Aegis Lending. That was the name of it. And my boss had my last check when I went to quit. And I said, well, it looks like we're on the same page. So I got (laughs) fired and I quit all on the same day. They had a box ready for me. I packed up my stuff and I left. So for about a year, year and a half, I did real estate transactions and mortgages um, on my own. And Mm -hmm. it just became pretty robotic, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes if you're not so passionate about what you do, it becomes uh, just like you're on the the next real estate deal or whatever. It's the transactions weren't getting interesting. Mm -hmm. And I was also not so happy at that job for the last year. So I still have my cubicle, but because I got myself back into a management position when you're not happy and other things and you start doing what I call executive workouts, meaning you skip your workout. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever experienced an executive workout, but they're very easy. It means you don't do them. (laughs) You're like, I have two more hours of work. Oh, I can stay up till 10 o'clock. And then you start not sleeping as much, and that all takes a toll. So Mm -hmm. I started looking for prepared meals. I'll keep this story short, but I ended up finding a company in San Diego saying, you know what, I think I can do it better. And I got into the prepared meal business because I wanted a personal chef in a package, and so did a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. Little did I know what I was getting myself into. I had no idea. I would say the last 10 years of my life was in a very expensive MBA program. Oh, and that, that is why I'm here today because my mission is to help whatever coaches, entrepreneurs learn from my last 20 years of experience, but a lot of it came in the last 10. Hmm. I got into Costco with my products. I pitched on Shark Tank. I got into the vitamin shop and 
worked with them and they invested over a million dollars to do a 10 store test with our meals. They have 780 stores. We converted 10 of the stores to put refrigerators to sell fresh prepared meals. Hmm. I mean, we, I did so many things that were out of the norm Uh (laughs) and dealing with a product based business and it was perishable. So many loopholes you had to go through so many regulations that anything after that is a lot easier. So right. That is my um, shortest version I could give you of the last 20 years of how I have sold and rolled whatever word you want to use to get to where I am today. I would love to talk a little bit more about, like you said, the last 10 years seems to be where you packed in a lot of learning and probably a lot of ups and downs as well. So let's talk a little bit about about that. Just when you got into that and you started digging in and, and hitting roadblocks and having to, to learn and overcome, I mean, how did you really dig into that situation and come out on top? You know, it, it's like going to the gym. It's muscles that you need to build and you need to work on. In the mm-hmm. beginning, it wasn't easy. I would get knocked over and then I would need to get picked back up. <laughs> you know, I would lots of crying nights, just like, what the heck am I doing? You know, I started this company because my mission was to help people change their lives one meal at a time. Mm-hmm. So we had a product, you know, they range between eight and twelve, fifteen dollars a meal. Well, I had no idea that what are we gonna do when we don't sell all the meals that we made? Okay, now that's losses. Right. What do you, I mean, it's just the amount of detail and the amount and layers of complexity in that kind of business. I had no business being in that business, but I figured it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a few difficult hires. I hired a lot of the wrong people. I hired some bad consultants that ended up in lawsuits for wasting my time and wasting my money. But people, when you meet the wrong people, you just need to fight through it if you believe. And I think that's the biggest lesson learned is that when you believe in yourself and everything that you're doing more than anything else, you just keep going. And Mm -hmm. I say I was like the Energizer Bunny up until I closed the company March 27th of 2017. So this year wasn't Mm -hmm. too long ago. Right. And a lot of it didn't have to do with my decision. It, I had a group of investors. I had raised over a million dollars. And, you know, if they say that's it, then that's it. I can't mm-hmm. do anything else with a company like that. Whereas if you're a coach or any other business, a service-based business, your cost of goods and your overhead is not the same. <laughs> right, right. It's very different. After you decided to to close the business, I mean, that's sort of the point where you've made the shift into creating a whole new business, which is what you're doing now. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how you help people now, what you're doing with your with all of that sales background. Yeah. So I had this idea about a year and a half ago. Um, We actually closed the company for a week to regroup to see what would happen. But every single month, there was this carrot dangling in my face. And I don't know if all of you guys have experienced this, but you know when you're kind of almost on your deathbed in a company and there's this opportunity that pops up. So the first opportunity was a a big meal prep bag company reached out to me and said, hey, 
we want to do a direct-to-consumer deal with you. We've tried every other meal company in the country. We love yours. I said, okay, no problem. We signed a contract. I kept waiting month after month. You know, it was supposed to start. This is hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in revenue. It Mm. never happened. Mm. Next carrot dangled in my face. Another company, a supplement company and fitness company said, we want to do prepared custom meals under our brand and work with you. We've tried every other meal in the country. We love yours. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So lesson learned here. I'm like, well, I'm not going to get screwed like I just got screwed on the last deal. I need a monthly retainer. Mm-hmm. So for us coaches and, and other people, I'm this is a huge one because I don't work with anybody now unless I have a monthly retainer and a contract signed in hand. Because on the last deal, the contract was great. It was signed, but there was no collateral. Mm. And that was a big mistake. So I got paid 5000 a month from this other company. It only lasted a month until I think they saw how difficult food was compared to supplements and just online training programs. Right. So that ended. And then I had this other carrot dangling in my face. So after I did Shark Tank, that was like way when I started, right in the beginning. I said, well, I can also get on the show The Profit, right? Mm-hmm. This guy, Marcus, goes and helps struggling companies. And that was me. I was struggling. Um, and they took a pass after a few months. So that when that carrot ended, that's uh-huh. when we cut the cord. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take what I've learned over the last 10 to 20 years and share it with as many entrepreneurs as possible worldwide. Because with my last company, I could really only help A, people in the US and B, really only people in Southern California. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it was just too expensive mm-hmm. to get the food. So instead of helping people change their lives one meal at a time, now I'm saying, how can I help each entrepreneur one at a time so you can help close more deals, serve serve more people? Because a lot of times we have so many great services and products, and I can't tell you how many times I hear people, I've had that idea for a year and I haven't done anything with it. I don't know what someone's going to say about it. Or there's all these fears that come in the way. So I want to show you how you can break through these fears, how you can break through these barriers. And on my podcast, we talk about how to overcome the no, how to overcome the rejections and how you get these no's and rejections throughout your professional career. Mm -hmm. And there are ways that you can overcome them. So to make it go a little bit quicker for you, you can listen from everybody else's stories to (laughs) not to save you time, make you more money. Because the quicker you can go out there and sell your services, products, and get over these fears or the, I don't know what someone's going to think about me, Mm -hmm. the more money you're going to make and the more people you're actually going to help. And that's really the key thing is that you're actually doing people disservice when you don't tell them about your products, about your services, if they are good. And that's the part that kills me. Mm. You know, you said something a little while back about when you were getting started, you didn't realize how many different layers there were to the business that you were starting, that it, that it just wasn't as straightforward maybe as, as you thought getting in. And, and I think that most coaches have that same mindset. You know, they mm-hmm. get into coaching because they have this mission that they want to help people. They want to bring their message out, but then they get caught up in a lot of the little details like publicity images mm-hmm. and a pretty website. 
and posting on social media. And while all of that is a part of growing a business, you really can't grow your business unless you've got some income coming in. So I think that a, a lot of people have a big hang up between I want to be a coach and I want to help people to I don't know how the heck to get my message out there into the hands of the person that has that credit card ready to hand over. You know, how do I, how do people get started with that if they just don't know what to say or they're just scared of what the reaction might be? And I think the biggest thing is you need to go practice, practice in Starbucks, practice at the coffee shops, practice in line at the car wash. Like you need to get out there and practice. So when you get a real potential client, You've got that confidence. Um, I just filmed a bunch of YouTube videos yesterday, so they will go up on my pitch queen, the pitchqueen.com website. And I show you, yes, here's what I did yesterday, okay? I went into Starbucks. I asked the barista. I've never had a vanilla latte. I asked him if I could have a sample of a vanilla latte, like if he would make me just a little taste. And if I liked it, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. And he totally said yes. Most people would never even ask. Right. And when And my whole point to all these lessons that I wanted to show everybody, and that hopefully you guys will watch and love, is that once you ask, you will be surprised how many people will give you a credit card, how many people will sign up for you in coaching. But I had I had built a little bit of a relationship and rapport with him prior to me asking. And mm-hmm. that's the other key thing. It doesn't matter what your website looks like. It doesn't matter what your social media post looks like. All that is fluff. People want the real deal. You want the real deal? Get on the phone with them. Go meet them for lunch. And then once you have that relationship and rapport, then you can ask, you know, do you want to work with me? Or there's a better way to say it. But, you know, we won't get into that today. But the whole point is that you need to put it into practice. So after Starbucks, I actually went over to Costco and I attempted to shop without a Costco card. And if you do you have Costco where you live? Yes. Okay. So I had no idea that at Costco, you can actually go shopping without a Costco card to get alcohol and anything from the pharmacy. I had no idea. I said, okay, cool. So he let me in the store. I looked around. I was getting some bison to take home and I wanted to cut in line. You know how there's a really, really big line? Well, Mm -hmm. I went to the woman who was in the front of the line and I said, can I, can I, I have to, I'm in a rush and can I go in front of you and I'll buy you one of your pro- one of your things in your cart in exchange for getting in front of the line? Because no, mm-hmm. no one ever does anything for free. So that's the lesson learned, right? There's nothing's ever for free, but we built a relationship. We built a rapport because in my mind, I don't have a Costco card. Well, I really did have one, but I wanted to show you how you can actually shop places like Costco without a Costco card. We started talking about her dog. She had dog sticks and treats in her basket. I say, oh, do you have a picture? She showed me a picture. Then she's like, you know what? You can go in the front of the line and you don't have to buy me anything, really. I'm I'm sometimes actually a really mean person, so I probably deserve to let you go in front of the line. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, no, no. I, I'll, I, you have to be of your word. And that was my deal with her, right? So there's always a negotiation sometimes or it depends on what your products or service or what you're working on. But if you're raising money, sometimes you're negotiating. So I bought her her watermelon. I went to the front and the guy's like, well, can I have your Costco card? I said, oh, the guy let me in without one. Can you just let me, you know, I just have two items. So she's like, oh, well, here, you can use my Costco card. 
So she let me use her Costco card because I had built a good relationship. I built rapport. I knew her dog. I don't remember the dog's name right now, but if you do stuff like that, that's the same thing as getting a new client, you guys. The exact same skills. However, you need to go practice. Right? Right? Yeah. (laughs) So just get into the habit of talking to people. Just talking to you for a little while. It sounds like you're fairly outgoing and you may not really have much trouble talking to strangers. What about someone who that just doesn't feel very good to them? Like it's just not not something that they would really want to step outside of their comfort zone and go march up to a stranger and start <laughs> chatting. Is there Are there ways that people who, who that really isn't their go-to sort of thing, how could they get started a little bit, you know, with, with less uh, anxiety around yeah. it? <laughs> well, I think with anything, you're going to have a little anxiety, but you need to make it a game. And I think uh-huh. that's really important because... If you want to be a coach or you don't want to work for a company and be Mm -hmm. fed clients and be fed your paycheck, basically, it's time to get over that. And that's just my honest feedback is you need to get over it. You need to get yourself out of your own way because a Mm -hmm. lot of us are in our own way. And that's just a story you told yourself. That's a story from your past. That's a story about I've talked to a lot of introverts. Oh, I'm shy. You're not shy. You just say you are because that's how you were before. But maybe there's some game that you can play like if you really love and and this is baby steps, right? If Mm -hmm. I'm in line to start up a conversation, if I really, truly, genuinely, authentically like someone's shoes, shirts, jewelry or whatever, that's a good way to start practicing. Mm -hmm. Find something to compliment someone. Or another good one, and it, it, you know, the pay it forward one. If you're in line at a coffee shop, buy someone behind you their drink. It will, trust me, they will start talking to you. They'll actually start for you. And then you can start working on getting more comfortable with people. But if you are an introvert or you say you're the shy one, I've worked with a lot of people like that. That's just a story from your past that you're telling yourself. So it's dependent upon how committed are you. Mm-hmm. to A, getting over it, and B, putting it into practice. It's no right. different than if you want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. I want to lose weight at the gym. I want to lose 20 pounds, whatever it is. Well, guess what? If you don't start changing what you're eating and you don't start working out right, nothing's going to change. This is the same for sales and working with clients. If you want to get your services and start coaching these people, you better start fixing yourself because I don't want to be coached by someone who's not willing to coach themselves and making a change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big one. Yeah, I think that that's two really good points. The first being you have to look at the business that you're getting into. If you want to be a coach, which in and of itself is an entrepreneur, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to have to get out and talk to people. That's just part of the game. Well, it's part of the game. But the other thing is, you're going to have you're going to be coaching people to do things that they don't really want to do either. So right. if you're not willing to fix yourself, why the heck am I going to hire you as a coach? And I think that's the biggest one. You guys need to go look yourself in the mirror and say, "How am I going to change because if you're going to enroll a new client to work with you and you're going to coach them on whatever. Let's say it's dating, right? Mm-hmm. We'll just use that as an example. Okay. Well, you haven't had any dates in five years. Well, if you want to change, then you need to get on a dating site or you need to go out or you need to go to the gym and ask three women out on a date. They're as freaked out as you are. 
you can't coach someone if you're not willing to change yourself. And mm-hmm. if you're not willing to ask, if you're not willing to do the work that you're going to ask people to do, then you're not ready to be a coach. Right. Absolutely. Right? That makes a lot of sense. So the first thing people need to start doing is just getting out there and, and make it a game. Right. And build little relationships. Get out there and build some small relationships. If it's just with the person in front of you in line or behind right. you in line or talk to the cashier, whatever you have to do, start getting used to it. So once you start getting used to things... When you're actually talking to potential clients, what would be a way that people can can start to like really close those deals and get beyond some of the the objections that people normally have? I would say over 50% of people never ask to work with them. Hmm. <laughs> so if you actually just start asking, your uh-huh. your amount of yeses will start to increase. Because I think a lot of times you think you're asking in your head, but you actually really didn't ask them to work with you. Hmm. <laughs> Does okay. that make sense? Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. So how would I, if I'm just having a, a conversation, how do I not okay. ask <laughs> and okay, think I'm asking? Let's talk about that. I, um, I work with some companies and I help them with their high-end, high-level sales. Okay, so which is like coaching for you guys. It's a probably, let's just say over a 12-month period, it's a $5,000 offer. We talk about everything from what are their goals, what are their problems, what do they want to achieve. I go over what we we can help them with. And at the end, if I don't say which option works best for you, do you want to use Visa, MasterCard, American Express, then how are they ever going to make a decision? Right. And I have that confidence to ask, but I think way a lot of people don't ever even get to that point. So and on, another mistake, too, is you need to watch how much information you're going to give away for free. Hmm. Okay. Because if you are with working with a prospect and, you know, you go, you have a meeting with them and they're asking you all these questions and you start answering all their questions, you have now provided them a Band-Aid. They don't need you anymore. Right. Right. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> well, I think I know what you mean, because if you particularly when you say provided a Band-Aid, because you can give away just enough information for someone to think, oh, I bet I can figure it out myself now. Exactly. And that's the Band-Aid. Right. And even if they can figure it out now, like the next step, that still doesn't take them to the end. It just gives them the impression that they know enough to do it on their own, but they really don't. Correct. So you need to watch how much you give away for free, too, and how you're going to navigate the conversation with a potential client, which that would take hours to discuss. Right. Uh, (laughs) But again, if you just focus on those baby steps and really reflecting on yourself, because if you've got fear and you've got these stories in your way, I think you need to work on that first before you're going to have a client want to work with you. And this Mm -hmm. is where I'm going with this next is that you need to believe in yourself and have the confidence in yourself more than anybody because people will be attracted to that and just want to work with you automatically once you have that, especially as a coach. Right. I do. I do. I would never hire a coach if a, they didn't go work on themselves. B, they had zero testimonials. You know, if they, I, I would look for like five different things 
And mm-hmm. none of it is what they're posting on social media or their website. I want like tangible, real stuff. Mm. Makes sense. So, so all yeah, that, absolutely. Fl- all that fluff, that doesn't mean anything. I know some very high level coaches. They have zero websites. They have, they have nothing. Right. So let's talk about testimonials a little bit. When someone's just getting started and maybe they haven't even made that first sale yet. Mm-hmm. How do we go about getting testimonials? Are you an advocate for giving away your services at the beginning in exchange for testimonials? Um, I I definitely am. Um, I actually did that myself mm-hmm. <laughs> because until you can prove, like if you're in a new space or this is something new, you need to prove yourself. And I think getting testimonials is not only number one, you're going to work on your craft. So you get to practice on somebody who is not actually paying you the money Mm -hmm. and you get to build that confidence and you get to build that value for yourself, if that makes sense. Right. I think that's super important. Number two is you can actually start tracking results and you can be upfront with them. Like here, you might do a little bit more with this person because you're building what you want to do in your coaching business. Mm -hmm. And why not practice with people, A, to figure out if your offer is a good one, and B, the way you're tracking as a coach with your client is working. And, you know, I did that for myself. I'm still working with a couple people because I get to learn new things all of the time. And I love it. And trust me when I say this, it all comes back full circle. The people that I get to work with, no one else is going to get that level of service because it's just an ongoing, um, it's an ongoing case study I have right now. There's really Mm -hmm. no end point with them. I want to just keep going. It's like fun. It's motivating. But with your other clients, you're going to put programs together and it might stop at 90 days and they might not want to continue. You're not really sure, but when you provide your services in exchange for something else, you know, I'm all about barter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, that, well, and that, that's actually a really good idea too, because if you, if you're just getting started, it might actually be a really good idea to barter services with other coaches that you can coach them on your topic. They can coach you on their topic. Each person gets some experience and you can exchange testimonials at the end and everybody comes out a winner. Yeah. If it's a real testimonial, it can't be a made up one. Like you really have to have made a difference in getting to the end result. And I think that's extremely important. I don't want any fake stuff. People can smell and read through the fake stuff, especially Mm -hmm. in coaching these days. It's such a saturated, you know, era right now, at least from my point of view. And I think the biggest thing too, for testimonials is go back in time. I hope Most people that are coaches have some credibility, but really talk about where you've come from. What have you done? Why are you really good at this? You know, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot. I've mastered and done things that I should have never been given the opportunity. And I wanted, I can coach someone on how to do that. If someone said, I want to get on Shark Tank, I don't even have my products really that ready and my numbers kind of suck. I'd be like, no problem. We can do that. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, okay, so let's take that scenario and let's tweak it just a little bit because there are coaches that while they may have had experience in something, it's not what they're coaching in. So mm. how does someone who maybe has 20 years of, of work experience, but they've wanted to make a really major shift, they've gotten out of that, they're getting into coaching, but they're not coaching on that topic that they have experienced. And maybe because they just didn't like it that much to begin with. <laughs> yeah. So how, yeah. So how do you take someone who says, you know, I want to be a coach. I'm brand new at this. I love this topic, but I don't have a lot of experience in this topic. What does that person really need to do or how can they how can they sort of shift the focus away from the fact that maybe they don't have a ton of experience in one thing, but maybe they've got experience somewhere else? Well, and I think it's all about how you get your practice in. So I would say for that person, you need to get in the trenches. You need to go work with double, triple the amount of people for either really low money or just for testimonials. And you're going to have to invest your time. It's just like going to school. If you want to get a degree in finance and you're, you were in economic, you know, you were in, um, English, <laughs> right? And you know nothing about finance. Well, you need to go sit through what two, three years of classes to get good at finance. I don't think this is any different. If mm -hmm. you think you're going to say you're an expert coach in dating and you've had like the worst dating experience of, <laughs> you know, it, you need to be an expert at whatever you're going to do. So mm -hmm. you need to go be that person. You need to practice. You need to go coach people on it and build up your case as to why I would hire you. Yeah, that makes sense. That, I mean, this is no different than going to college or going to get a specialty degree in whatever. You've got to put in the work and invest the time to get the end result. You can't just say, you know what? I was a construction worker for a really long time. I'm going to be a coach. Well, what the heck did you learn at your construction job putting bricks on top of bricks that now you can help me grow my business 300%? Okay, you go work with a bunch of people, get them to 300% growth in revenue, and then come back to me and let me know how that went. I, <laughs> right. Right? Like, you need to build your case. You need to build testimonials. And you need to get yourself in the trenches. If I, d I can't say I can help you get on Shark Tank if I didn't actually get on myself. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. I can't tell you I can get you into big retailers and I can help you and coach you through that if you want, if I didn't do that myself. So right. I come from the mindset that I will, sh and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today because I know what I'm really good at. And I think once you figure out what you're A, passionate about and B, what you're gifted at, then all of this is a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But when you start to put yourself into a corner that's not really you, you're not going to succeed. You're going to struggle the whole way. Yeah, absolutely. So for people who just are thinking of getting into coaching because they want to help people, probably the better plan would be to look at your past experiences, look at what you already have some success in, yeah, and then maybe start there. Even if you want to transition to a different topic later on or, or make some tweaks and maybe just niche down now and then you can broaden the scope out later on, but stick with something that you already know. 
1,000%. And I'll give you another example. I help a company, right, grow their business. And she gets some people that were in construction or in manufacturing that all of a sudden had a career change and wanted to be a CPA. Mm -hmm. But they had to go back and take accounting classes. They had to go take the CPA exam. They had to go work under a CPA. I mean, this just doesn't happen with the snap of your fingers. It doesn't matter which industry you're, you know, which career change you're going to go. A, you have to invest time. You're going to have to invest money and maybe hiring a coach for yourself in that area. (laughs) Um, So it's not, you know, I, I love how you said it. Just go back in your history. Go see what you were really good at. What do you have knowledge in? And then maybe there's something that you can build from there. Right. So the last thing I'd really like to talk about is the idea of knowing your worth and pricing your products. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, I know that there are coaches out there that really go into it with the mindset of I'm brand new. No one's going to pay me more than X dollars. I need to, I need a starting point. I need to start low. And then as I build up my experience, I can charge more. You know, is that what you suggest people do or do you have no. another opinion on it? I I uh, suggest the opposite. And it's so funny that you're bringing up this topic today because I have a Facebook live show that I host once a week mm-hmm. called Coffee is for Closers. It's on my Pitch Queen uh, Facebook. So it's the Pitch Queen, right? And mm-hmm. this Monday, what was that? Yesterday, we did the topic is owning your worth and asking for what you're worth. That mm. was the topic. Literally okay. this. <laughs> right? How crazy is that that you're asking me this today? And it's all about knowing your pricing, knowing what you're worth, and then asking for what you're worth. Because here's a great quote from Bernard Hopkins. And it's, if you don't know your value, somebody will tell you your value and it will be less than your worth. And mm. the second that happens, the quality of your work will go downhill. You're going to be miserable. And all the coaches that say, oh, I'm going to start out low and then increase in the future. Well, guess what? You're miserable in the beginning, I'm sure, because you're working really hard. You might as well have just given it away for free and built up your testimonials and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. But I always say that in order to really know your price and know what your value is, You've got to know like those main five characteristics or values that you're not willing to bend on. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever done that for yourself, but it's that value system. Like I am worth this. I am not going to go below this. I have done this, this, and this, which validates my worth and my value. And if you're not willing to pay that, then you're not willing to, then you're not a good client for me. And Mm. the more people you can start saying no to, the more your value meter will increase. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think that's really great advice because when people first start out, and I feel like I would probably, you know, have the the same sort of mindset is if I'm just getting started, I don't want to turn anyone away. I, I just want that business. And I and what you're saying, it kind of sounds like, no, you you don't need to do that because if you take someone on that's going to make you miserable That's worse than not getting the money in the first place. It's way worse. I'll give you an example, okay? This guy, he found out I closed my company. I got so many phone calls. Will you help me do this? Like I was a hot commodity. I'm like, whoa, gosh, should have done this a long time ago. But um, he said, you know, I've got this product 
And um, it was in the cell phone case manufacturing. I've got this product. I'm really, really looking for a co-founder. Okay. He's an engineer. He seemed really cool. The product was cool. But when it came down to the value and the worth of my time and my background, I'm expensive. And there is nothing that I will do for not a lot of money because I know the value I can provide. I knew mm-hmm. what I could do for this person. And when he gave, I said, and I, here's the other thing too. Well, this is different because this is more of like an investment situation. This isn't a selling of my services. Right. I said, give me your best offer. Like what's my package look like? And he gave it to me and I almost laughed, but he was a really nice guy. And I just, I said, you know what? With all due respect, this just really isn't, it's not a good fit. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I turned down so many different things. And my five characteristics that I stick by are the key thing. And I think all of you should do the same. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to work with people who are very transparent and authentic. I've got to work with people that show up to phone calls and meetings when they say they're going to, because that drives me up a wall. (laughs) If you are going to work with me and you're going to show up late or you're going to cancel, like, that's it. I'm done. You're on to the next. I will work with the people that show up early, are super committed, are extremely, like, coachable and will take my opinion and roll with it. That's it. Uh, If you are any of the other stuff, you don't fit the pitch queen model and it's time to move on. So you've got to come up with whatever your five are. Because that is what's going to increase the value. And when you can stick to it and not just take any single person that comes in your face, that's very, very important. And I also keep track of all the positive things that happen. And I Mm -hmm. think everyone should too. Like, what have you accomplished? Who have you helped? What are your strengths? What kind of emails have you gotten? Like, oh my gosh. I mean, for my podcast, I got one like, I listen to your podcast now every morning with my coffee this is so great. These stories are amazing. I think I'm going to get over this fear of being told no and being rejected. I'm like, sweet. This is perfect. Yes. I, ke- I keep them, but I keep looking at them because mm-hmm. as a coach or as an entrepreneur, you all, we don't have people cheering us on. I don't have a cheer squad, right? <laughs> right. I, don't th- I don't think you have a cheer squad. <laughs> I'm not on the football team. I don't have a coach telling me, good job. That was like a nice pass. You know, you scored seven points. I've got no one telling me how many points I'm scoring or how good of a job I'm doing. You guys need to be your own coach and your own thing. So, you know, I keep I've got vision boards. I've got uh, photo albums on my phone of all the cool emails that I've gotten. So when that price thing comes up or do I want to work with you thing comes up, I look at that and I was like, well, I'm very valuable. So, Mm -hmm. nope, that number's not going to work. Right. (laughs) So that that would be my um, feedback for everybody on that. You know, you've got to acknowledge yourself. You've got to know your worth. You've got to curate all of those reviews and emails and text messages and all those people that you've helped. Not even if you're in your past, like past your career, in your past career, what you were doing before, like bring all that into what you're doing right now, because all that still counts. Right. Like everything from my last company, it still counts now. And it's funny because now I'm actually work like the guy from the vitamin shop. Um, his name's Michael Martin. He was my buyer who I, you guys will have to watch the Facebook live because it's so funny, but he was in San Diego from New Jersey. 
And he came onto my show as a guest. So I'm able to bring in these past positive stories to share mm. them now with you. So you can see how I got from not knowing anyone at Vitamin Shop to then converting 10 stores with refrigerators and having them spend over a million dollars on a test and how that whole process went in a one-hour episode with the guy who basically made it happen and he was my champion. So, But I'm taking all of these past um, positive things that happened to me throughout my career and using them now. You guys can do the same thing. And I, uh, I actually have an article that I wrote that will that I've done to help you get or what what do you do when you don't have testimonials? So mm-hmm. it's an article of what do you do when you're new and you have no testimonials and it's actually like a little guide that will walk you through how to do that. So oh, cool. you can message me on the site and I'll send it to you. <laughs> nice. Well, Michelle, this has been so good and I have learned so much in this last little while that we've spent together. <laughs> I would love to finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions. Okay. So what's one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? I would say in the last three months, saying an affirmation every morning, um, while I'm doing my cardio, so I say it about a hundred times, and also saying out loud when I'm grateful for. I think mm-hmm. once a lot of times when you're starting out in business or you're a coach or you're an entrepreneur, you kind of get stuck on the negative stuff. Right. So flipping it as the positive. But nice. the ultimate thing, also two other things: working out and sleeping. I like mm-hmm. to sleep a lot, and I have to exercise all the time. And when you put those into habits, it changes everything. Very good. What is one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to develop? Transparency and authenticity. Mm. Recommend one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life. Um, Jen Sincero's book, You're a Badass. Mm, yes. Give <laughs> us uh, give us one online resource that you think coaches would love to use in their business and that you couldn't do business without. I've got to say it's now Coffee is for Closers Facebook live show by me, the pitch queen. That's a great resource. <laughs> now, how can the listeners best connect with you? What social platforms besides Facebook are you on? And what is your website address? I am on all of them. Um, I primarily am on Instagram. I am at the pitch queen on LinkedIn. I am Michelle Weinstein, or I think you can find me at the pitch on uh, the pitch queen. And then my website's got everything. It's kind of like my house for all my different stuff. Lots of resources, lots of blogs. Um, My podcast is success unfiltered on every single platform, Stitcher, iTunes, um, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, you name it. (laughs) Tune in. So, but you can find everything at thepitchqueen.com and that's P-I-T-C-H-Q-U-E-E-N.com. The, the, the pitch queen. T-H-E-P-I-T-C-H-Q-U-E-E-N.com. <laughs> there we go. I'll be sure to get all of those links on the show notes page so no one has to remember it. They go oh, to the show notes page and yay. can click through. Perfect. And this has been such a great conversation, Michelle. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. And I hope everyone learns a lot and puts it into action. And that's my biggest thing is make it happen, go into action and start changing the world. 
Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.